The RPG After Years is part of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Find out more at probablywork.com. Welcome to the RPG After Years, your weekly show covering all things RPGs from the past, present, and future. This is episode 123. I'm your co-host, Scott. And I'm your other co-host, Rich. And the time has finally come. We have both beaten Final Fantasy XIII, and we're ready to talk about it for the final Final Fantasy XIII RPG Club. So, let's get to it. Rich, are you ready to change our fates and bring about a miracle? I am. I am so ready for that. Let's uh, <laughs> let's do this. All right. So, for those that don't know, the RPG Club is a segment we do every other week on this show. It's basically like a book club where we, along with members of the community, uh, play through the same game at the same time, the same segments. There's due dates and everything. The current game, mm-hmm. as we said, is Final Fantasy Thirteen. Uh, the checkpoint is to complete the game, and that it was due as of today, as of us speaking to each other. Yes. Um, but, Rich, do you want to tell them when nominations for the next game are? Yes, so nominations for the next RPG Club game is going to start on September 3rd. So if you are part of the Patreon community, you get to nominate a game. Um, up to how many games is it? Is it a game? Or I can't, I'm always, it's a game. You, no, you right. nominate one game, and right. then you get three votes to spread across all the games that are nominated. Correct. Now, you have to be a $5 or more tier. That's I don't right. know why I, I can't for, I'm not remembering stuff today. Um, lack of sleep. But uh, $5 or more gets to nominate and vote on the uh, nominate for that. So yep. there's still let's time. Let's do this. That's uh, two weeks from today. And if you're listening to this when it comes out on Thursday, you have less than two weeks. So there's still a chance to get in here and put in your nomination, and then you'll get your votes a week or two after that. Um, and we do we do post rules on those games though on yeah. what we can nominate. Right. For example, the games have to be less than a certain length, average length. Honestly, we stretch that to its limit with FF13. I think mm-hmm. um, can't be a game from a subsequent the same series twice in a row. So the next. RPG Club game will not be a Final Fantasy. And there's other rules on there too, which you'll see on the uh, Patreon mm-hmm. post when it goes live. So there's still time to get in on that if you want to change our fates. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, it's to help our sanity. So we can't do like these Xenoblade games that are like 80, 90 hours, just normal. 
So right. it, what, it took us over half a year to get through this game. Oh, God, yes. Because our, our <laughs> standard segment length is about five hours, and I think FF13 is um, about 40 hours on average. So mm-hmm. it was supposed to be seven segments. We made it eight, I think, because we were struggling. And then times that by two, that's 16 weeks. So, yeah, six months about something like that. So, <laughs> Yep. Good, good long time. But it's a fun, fun little deal for everybody. So come join us. It, yep. We love it. So before we actually convene the club, we are going to go over what RPGs have released in the past week. So we got Thymesia that came to PS5, Xbox Series, and PC on August 18th. Also on the 18th was RPG Time, The Legend of Right. That came to PS4 and Switch. I haven't heard anything about it, but I remember the trailers um, mm-hmm. looking, making it look cool. So I don't know. Anybody played that? Let us know. Uh, Far Away From Home came to PC on the 18th as well. On the 23rd, we got Fallen Legion Rise to Glory slash Fallen Legion Revenants on PS5, Xbox Series, Xbox One, and PC. Um, that also came to Europe on the 26th. Finally, on the 25th was SD Gundam Battle Alliance, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. So everything. And I've actually heard that this game is surprisingly good for a Gundam game. So <laughs> take that for what you will. <laughs> All right, so games are coming out in the next week. Uh, we have Soul Hackers 2, PS5, PS4, Xbox S, Xbox One, PC, August 26th. Sorry, Switch holders, you don't get this game um, as of now. Uh, Nexamon and Nexamon Extinction Complete Collection, PS4, Switch, August 26th. Dust Driver 2, PS5, PS4, Switch, August 30th. Um, La Placia Ragnarok, PC, August 30th. Rhapsody, a musical adventure. PC, August 30th. Prini presents NIS Classics Volume 3 Switch, August 30th North, in North America and September 2nd in Europe. Nice. When That's is tough. the Spider-Man remaster coming to PC? Isn't that soon? It's already out. Oh, okay. I think huh. it is. Yeah, I think it's already out. It's like an RPG site, not counting Spider-Man as an RPG. Yeah, there's a pretty cool story. Well, story-esque um, that came out a while ago, but I guess we'll have to save it for next week. So, um, you have to remind me because I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, it's it involves modders. There was a certain mod that went into the coding of the PS the the Spider Man game and removed all the pride flags. Oh, I did hear about that. That's fucked up. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Now, if now when they do Miles Morales, I'm sure they'll remove the Black Lives Matter stuff too. Boo. Yeah. Well, well, they can't. So there's a story behind that now. So um, they they were banned. Okay. Fantastic. So we'll talk more about that at some point. Um, it kind of gets in the, in the into the debate of once you buy the prop buy the game, are are you allowed to do whatever you want with it now? Or yeah. do you still have to you adhere to the strict guidelines of the community that you're involved with when you use their tools? So we'll talk more about that. I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm gonna have, to have difficulty not flying off the edge on that. <laughs> <There's> yeah, <laughs> interesting points to be made. Yes. Uh, I've also heard that you need like a fucking bleeding edge PC to be, even be able to run it. So um, I'm going to look at it to see like uh, on my laptop that I got my that Alienware and see if like the specs match up to it. But I heard that, too. Yeah. So but it best. runs on Steam Deck. Yeah. Releasing it for uh, releasing this game is like the best ad they've done for why you want a PS5. So, yep. yep. <laughs> um, but that's it for our little preamble. Are you ready to convene the club? I am so ready to challenge fate. 
All right, everyone, quiet down. All rise. We're here today to bring to order the next session of the RPG Club. All in favor? All opposed? And looks like the eyes have it. Then let the RPG Club commence! Okay, so as we said previously, this is the final section of FF13. Unless you're doing the post-game in which you have like a another, basically double the amount of time you've played the game so far. <laughs> um, Crazy. But that was due today, uh, Sunday, August 21st. So... Uh, just in general, uh, how do you how did you feel about like these final sections of the game? I really enjoyed the final sections of the game. Um, it is, I think, the more the better part of the game. Um, it wraps everything up nicely, um, and I just I love this game. And we'll talk more about that in the review piece of it. Um, you know, the ending was phenomenal. Just throw it I, out there. I do think it's one of the best Final Fantasy endings. I think the only one I might put above it is 10. And, I mean, I, there's only a couple of Final Fantasy endings I don't like, so that's saying yeah. something. I mean, and I do have some, when we get to the review of this, I do have some comparisons and gripes about other Final Fantasy games that have come out in the latter years after this game mm -hmm. that don't technically hold a candle to like the, the production value. I think that's a good it's point. my opinion. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about that stuff. I think chapter 12 is really cool. Uh, you can tell they really went all out with like the visuals and the, the, the spectacle of everything. Um, I do think chapter 13 orphans cradle is one of the weakest final dungeons in the series. And it, yes, it really feels like, even though it looks cool, it really feels like every single encounter is like a mini boss almost. <laughs> uh, yeah. I hated I hated the the look of uh, that. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. I I didn't I didn't like it. It was it it felt to me like they were trying too hard with like time and yeah. like space stuff. I could see that. So, um, but as far as like the climax and the ending, uh, the even the climax itself, like the whole final boss, even though Bartandalus is not a particularly good villain, uh, mm -hmm. especially when you compare him to some of the others in the series. I think they did a great job of making the final fight feel really cool. And there's some big moments and cutscenes between the different phases of the boss. Uh, so, yeah, I think I get so, so excited just even like thinking about all that. I think the game ends very strongly other than, like I said, the final dungeon being a bit of a flop. Yep. But OK, um, let's get into it. So when we last left off our characters, they were on Pulse. They were getting ready to come back to Cocoon because Bartandalus had basically told them he was going to uh, he had resigned and put Sid Reigns as the Primarch and have the cavalry. The cavalry would be betrayed at that point and come after the Foul Sea and they would destroy Orphan. Uh, and then also the people would be so, you know, panicked that there would be mass, you know, panic and bloodshed. And one way or another, he was going to get what he wanted with uh orphan being killed and and the people pe a lot of people dying at once so they decided to take the ship that he left them the owl ship back to cocoon and they flew up there and that's where we left it 
So, what do you uh, do? You want to talk about chapter twelve, Rich, and how it begins with the coolest scene of all time ever? Yes, yes. So, again, this the whole Bartanlis's plan is is pretty grand in a sense. Like like you said, either A, the Lassie are going to do it, B, the Calvary are going to do it, or C, the people are going to do it to themselves. So either way, he's got a backup plan on the backup plan. So you decide now that, okay, we're going to go. We're going to go up there. We're going to do what we can to save uh, Cocoon. So the coolest cutscene ever of the entire game, and I think a lot of the series games themselves. So you take the ship, your whole group is just flying there. You get to a sigil that's up near Cocoon, and you get transported. That flashes then to the Grand Prix. Uh, this is where Sid Reigns is basically making his announcement to the, the general public about how the Lassie threat is gone and how they're you know honoring the people that have died, and he's just being all boastful about it. And uh, a way to celebrate this is with a race that he starts, which is random (laughs) i guess snap of the finger yep and they go so halfway through the race all of a sudden the sigil opens up the team the the group is basically they're i don't know where they thought it'd be a good idea just to jump out of their ship uh but that was pretty epic uh you can't think too hard about this scene or like and it doesn't make sense at all (laughs) yeah so they're they are they're out of the ship and they're falling towards this grand uh, grand prix but they're actually on their adolans so they all hit the ground they're you know their adolans are in full force they're basically putting psycom and and the sanctum people like all in a ruckus and they're just running through this grand prix stopping things and just going wild um what did this you is, think about this scene this is like <clears throat> excuse me this is like mcu level shit like you never see a scene this spectacular this spectacle this beautiful with so much action so much uh going on it's all there's so much action going on that it's almost hard to keep up with um <laughs> but just getting to see all the idolins uh you know in gorgeous fmv quality um and this is really the only time you other than shiva and odin and, and i guess bahamut you ever get to see the idolins in action in a scene of this quality yeah um it's it's just really cool and and maybe the best scene in the series, maybe the best scene in video games. I, I'm really overhyping it now, but yeah, but it, my best, my favorite part of this one, and you know how I'm not a really a big fan of Hope. I mean, I like him, but he's not. I'm a big fan. The best thing is he drops on that field or on that track, and he stops one of those racers in the track, and he's like, "Hi." He yeah, looks at it. And Alexander just smashes it. Yeah, I like how that was Alexander's attack. Just like land on it. <laughs> yep. So and he and he basically commands Alexander to like stop everybody. So he just re- stretches his arms out and just smashes everything. So basically Hulk smash in a sense, but with yeah. Idolans. Um, so that was really good. So after everything kind of settles, um, the basically the the day changes. So right. I guess Phoenix, which is if if remember correctly, the fallacy Phoenix controls the sun, um, kicks on. So now it's it's daytime and everybody's into panic. There's just chaos everywhere. Now you are on this uh, circuit that you're trying to make your way towards the central grand uh, palace of of the cradle of Eden. So that's that's that scene. That's the end of that one. Yep, and I so I will throw out there as well um that the fact that 
they know they're the seed just by snow's brand oh yeah that was pretty good he's like oh i should probably covered that <laughs> yeah well i mean they were gonna be found out anyway just why why did they decide to storm the grand prix i've never understood that but okay <laughs> i don't know if it's because that was part of vartalus's plan because i don't know were they flying that thing or was vartalus doing that it was on autopilot so it just popped them right then and there he knew that that's where they were going to be at he was probably counting on snow to be very boastful and be like the heroes are here like he did and okay. his brand would show and yeah let's make that our head cannon yeah so that's how that would work so once the, the scene is over, um, you basically um, lightning is faced off against one of those war mech, the big like shark deals. Honestly, just kicked the shit out of it. Did not have any single problems with Odin because you use Odin to do that. Um, not a problem whatsoever. Whenever you, you have summon the idol ones, do you just mash a like I do? Or yeah. Yeah. Um, how many times did you ever summon an Adolan in this game? I don't think I. I think I summoned an Eidolon once just to show Lauren what it was like. Uh, other than that, no, none. I did it twice. That's it. The whole game, I did it twice. I did it once by accident. So, yeah. Um, well, Corey yeah, actually, really when, when he fought this war mech, and by the way, this war mech is like a recolor of the first boss the first. of the game. So it's kind of a nice yep. callback to show you how strong you are, I guess. But uh, he actually, after the summon ended, it still had like half of its life. And I'm like, wait a minute. You did something wrong. <laughs> this thing's supposed to die in one, like in the summon. Yeah. Uh, so he retried and he had been actually inputting the commands. I was like, oh, just mash A. <laughs> yeah, just just do that. Just let it go. It'll, it'll, it'll kick. It'll do its fine. Yeah. So once you're done with that, the scene picks back up with the group based on the edge of the, of the track. Okay. Uh, trying to figure out where they need to go. Well, lightning and everybody's like, you know what? Here you go. We're just going to jump. So you actually get to see the AMP device again. Um, Which we haven't seen how since Vanille, chapter one. Yeah. Vanille doesn't use those. Never used it, but it was kind of funny seeing her like get pushed off a little yeah. bit. Um, so they all hit the ground. and We are Fang skipping says, a, a couple of important details here. Uh, are? The first is that the monsters from Pulse are unleashed in Eden. Oh, crap. Uh, that's why the, they kept the Ark there the whole time. So that they could execute this plan one day, I reckon. Hmm. Um, and then including like the big elephants and like the behemoths, it's the big boys from Pulse. So where were they keeping those? In you the, said the Ark? Yeah. But who was feeding them? That's a good question. Let's assume that the Ark has like automatic dispensers of elephant food. I don't know. Because <laughs> it's like 500 years or whatever, how long ever it's been up there. So yes. Yeah. The Pulse gates come alive and you see all sorts of, uh, you see Seath. You also see those animals. You see a lot of stuff. The other is uh, what happens to Reigns. Oh, so the big scene, they're trying to figure out what's going on and why like things have gone to shit so quickly. It's because um, you see in a different scene uh, where Sid Reigns was at, where he's doing his little speech. Uh, the cavalry shows up and basically gunned down his guard. And then his friend, how do you say, is it uh, Rigen? Rig Day. Rig Day. Rig Day basically says to him, like, you know, is this is what you wanted? Like, how implying, like, how could you do this? And he's like, I'm honestly just a Fauci's puppet at this point. So he shoots him. He literally shoots Sid Reigns in the head and kills him. It's pretty dark, even yeah. for this game and for Final Fantasy. <laughs> you don't see it, but you see the gun, you hear the gunshot, you see the shell casing, and then you see Sid just fall over. So 
Yeah, he was dead anyways. He knew that. He knew right. he was just because he was already crystallized. I mean, and he, then they brought him back. He's not one of my favorite characters or anything, but it is kind of a a disappointing or sad ending for him. Yeah, he is what it is. Also, I always wondered. You know, we won't go over it now, but you know what becomes of the cavalry later. This is the last thing you see Rig Day in. I'm like, did that happen to Rig Day? But the I'm gonna assume yes, it did. Well, I, you would think so, but uh, he's in the 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 novels after you know prequels to FF thirteen two and all that. So he survived oh. somehow. But anyway, all right, continue. All right, so once you're done with that and the AMP, you hit down to the the Skywalk, um, and all those monsters still run around. You actually get a scene where they're on the highway and the cars are still whipping by. It's kind of weird how traffic didn't stop when all the explosions went off, but whatever. Yeah. So all of a sudden, cars are being flipped all over the place. It's a behemoth running through the the, uh, the track. So lightning runs out there in her most fashion way and basically tries to attack it and does a pretty good job. It gets kicked. She unfortunately gets kicked to the side or like down the street. And yeah. then you hear a team rallies behind her and does this whole raw moment. And they it's just another cool action moment. Yeah. That's, that's pretty nice. So you make your way through the epics, the Skywalk. You get all the way to the end, and you run into the Proud Cloud, which is uh, uh, is it Ro- Rache? Rosh? Uh Roshes is there. He makes a comment about you know the sea are here, and he's going to destroy them. It's you know you know part of their they're the reason why things have gone crazy. Um, Snow and all of them try to tell him like that's not the case. Like we're here to save the world. You know we're we're trying to take care of this, and he doesn't care. Yep. And did you uh, have a trouble with this one? No, not really. But I remember in past playthroughs, he, he gave me a run for his money. Mm. It's a pretty cool design for a mech. Like it fires by having a bunch of flying rifles converge around you. And uh, one detail that I didn't notice the first few times I played this game back in uh, chapter nine, when you're escaping the Palamecia and Rosh is pursuing you, the mech he's in and that. FMV is actually this thing. So it's like a not a callback really, but it's like, oh, they had that planned way in advance. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice that. Okay. So that thing didn't have I didn't have a problem with that one. Um there was something I, I saw a strategy is like don't don't stagger it. You gotta do this and this. I'm like, I staggered it and killed it in one shot. Yeah. So, one thing I do want to also call out is that there's a lot of like environmental shit that's going on in the background while you're running through Eden. Like there's one part where the ceiling falls through as a one of those big bird bitches smashes through it and there's like explosions mm. and shit like that. And it's just really cool detail. And you could tell they were really going all out with how dynamic this stuff was. But we really haven't seen that kind of shit happen since chapter one. So they're making sure you get a strong start and a strong finish, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and it explains a little bit more, too, about what's happening on the outside of what's going on. It's not focused primarily on the group. Um, Bartanalus's plan is coming to fruition. He's basically, he is, he put all the things in motion, right? He's hoping that the Lassie are going to come take care of everything, but all those creatures from pulse are going to put the people in panic or the Calvary's on their way. So it's all going at one time. Yep. Um, so once you're done with that, you, you take out, uh, you know, the uh, proud cloud, he flies off due to like they said, it's structural damage. It can't take any more. So it takes off, which is weird. Um, but anyways, so you get to the expressway, you see the uh, adamant child, that thing, the mini boss. I had no trouble with that. Did you? 
I mean, N- no, but again, really. I remember in past playthroughs, I did. Mm-hmm. So you run through those, you see all these big creatures, you see the uh, behemoths, uh, these guys, a lot of the seeth creatures, uh, some of the other smaller pulse animals running through. So that um, soldier that you save from the adamantulid. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like he still points his gun at you after that and just, then decides to run off. I'm like, what a fuck face. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude, we just saved your life. I mean, it's cool. I mean, if you want to be mad about it, that's fine. You can go fight the other ones out there. Yeah. You want to be that guy. Um, so you threw those. I, I do like the names of the parks or calling back to other summons from the series. So you right. won't, we get to see some of those. Uh, uh, you get the interchange. These are a lot of harder battles on, on this uh, interchange, but did you do any of them? Like I did maybe two or three. Um, in the park areas, I did them all. It's it's on the area outside of Eden Hall when there's a bunch of elephants running around and multiple behemoth kings where I'm just like, I'll just, I'm good. I always run past the, this, that area. Okay. So did I. I mean, I, I felt though that I was pretty powered, overpowered and stuff. So I was like, I don't really need to do these. I didn't max out. <clears throat> Excuse me. I didn't max out some of the, the, the Crystarium. I could have, but I, I didn't really need to. I mean, if you're uh, planning on doing the post game, a lot of these battles will give you a lot of CP because you know you get one less Crystarium expansion once you beat the game. But you get the final expansion, right. I guess, to it all. Um, but I skipped through it. And then you went out to Siren Park. You see a lot of a uh, little more hard battles. But then you get to a door and Snow does his normal thing of, I'm going to punch it. <laughs> it always works. Yeah, I, I'm just going to punch a door. I'm going to get mad about it. Lightning and Fang were like, well, let's look for another place. Let's look another way. But lo and behold, the door opens and you hear a familiar voice you haven't heard since chapter one, I want to say. Yeah. It's it's the team from Nora. <laughs> I never yeah. like those guys. It's been so long that like, unless you're, it's easy to even forget about them. So, yeah, I never, yeah, they, they, they make some good like little uh, plot drives to it and everything. And uh, it kind of gives snow a bit of a boost in confidence and they were like you know you're the leader let's do this um you know what do heroes do and basically now they're charged with or no the, don't they get on to him because like he disappeared and didn't tell them they're upset that he didn't like come to them for help and i'm just like when did he was, have time what was he supposed to do <laughs> like yeah <laughs> he didn't really have a chance to do that no he it, it, how how much time elapsed between the time that they got branded to the time that they're now? It's like a couple days. I mean, honestly, it's, it's probably a several weeks at this point, I would think. Is but, it? Okay. Uh, but, you know, he, he was captured almost immediately after, you know, the, the, vested, the Pulse Vestige fell. And then he's been literally pursued by the army <laughs> since then. <laughs> he was on Pulse for a couple weeks. <laughs> so Yeah, so there's there's a... There's not time for that. Yeah. <laughs> you all can just hold your horses. So he sends them on the mission now to go basically help the civilians get off and um, you know evacuate and do all that stuff. So there's also the, that, the awkward moment where Hope's like, we can all help together. And then they all just stare at him like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> he's like, weren't you that whiny little bitch kid we we saved? Yeah. How are you still alive? But I get what some people say this scene was totally unnecessary, and I agree it could have been left out. But at the same time, it feels like it almost feels like a plot hole to never have Nora in there again. But then it feels like well, they forgot about him again because you don't see them again after this. Yeah. 
But why were the other question is why were they there? Yeah, I guess just so, helping out. Um, what? Yeah, <laughs> they get a bigger role in thirteen two for what it's worth. Yeah, yeah. There's that. Um, so once you're past the, that, you go you go into Leviathan Plaza. More hard battles, more things that you need to deal with. Um, you can skip them. I did. I popped on one of those uh, 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 shrouds. And basically just ran past everything. Yeah. Um, then you get to the, I guess the hub of Eden Hall. It's like so the basically before you go, yeah, before you go in there. So then you get the, I guess you want to say Superman Jarl, like head floating head of Bartanelis. Yeah. Is explaining what's going on. Mm-hmm. He's like, just don't fight your fate. Come slay orphan and set the world free and in the suffering of the people and blah, blah, blah. Just come, come fight me kind of thing. I've realized something in this scene that I've never realized before. Um, I've always liked to point out to people that in every single scene where you meet up with Bartandalus, snow tries to attack him and then gets like blown back by a force field. I noticed this time that it doesn't happen in this scene. So he's three for four, which made me sad. I really wanted it to be like a, a running gag. <laughs> Well, and he tries to like that'd be funny trying to him punch a head, so True. like a floating head, try to do all that stuff. So that was pretty funny. Um, so Lauren also what, pointed out one thing, funny thing about this scene, as you know how at the end of it, Bartanelis just kind of zips off into the sky. <laughs> uh, Lauren said, "I wish I could just fuck off whenever I was done with a conversation like that." <laughs> yeah, that that was pretty good. He just, you know, oh, I'm done. Yeah. So. Um, you have the opportunity then to, uh, once the scene ends, you can still fight some of those uh, animant toys on the left-hand side. You can get those chests. Don't do not do that, by the way. Yeah, the reason I put a note in here about this is you, there's these two chests you can grab uh, right at the entrance at Eden Hall. But as soon as you open one of them, then an adamantus appears and falls through the glass and you can't get the other one. Uh, the reason this is, in, this is important because, A, you can't get both chests, but also... Uh, this adamantus, you can actually go and fight it before you grab the chests. And it's the best place to farm adamantuses for the post game because they drop platinum ingots. So they're basically your main source of money. <laughs> this particular adamantus, he's the easiest one to respawn. And is he also the easiest to fight? Um, I mean, he's still kind of like super boss levels, but it's just yeah. the, the closest point there is to any other adamantus to make him like, you just have to run off a little bit and then he reappears. So Hmm. anyway, well, so I do love, I mean, it's a little sad scene to see that thing walk through and just like collapse through the glass and basically get shattered. So that's, that's a little sad. Yeah. Cause he's just, he's just there. He doesn't know where he's at. He's lost. I agree. Just a sad turtle. Um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So you get into the building and then you come across uh, more seats. So, um, you can get, uh, they're called sac- is a sacrifices, they're yeah. sacrifices. Um, you can fight them and you get scarlet stuff, right? Scarlet what are they type. used for? Scarlet type. Um, they're catalysts and weapons. So if you're trying to get the, um, the final trophy, the platinum, you're going to need scarlet type to be able to get that one trophy. Oh, I didn't really need that. Yeah. I so ended up with, I got enough, a few of them, um, without having to grind against them, but, the thing is, the 
Scarlet's had at the beginning, or sorry, the sacrifices at the beginning of Orphan's Cradle are like the easiest place to grind them. And for whatever reason, that little area gets sealed off from you once you get like far enough into Orphan's Cradle. You can't get back there. Hmm. I, I never, I just got a few of them while I was there. And then there you go. Um, once you're through the Eden Hall, you kind of see like there's people in there just randomly hiding. I, I don't, sure. <laughs> yeah, they think well, they're why, safe why? There. It's like a it, shelter almost. Yeah, but, but those sacrifices are there at the very beginning of there. But then you go to this hall and there's people there. And then you get out of the hall and then the, you've got, uh, you're greeted by Psycom and cavalry people. But then as they're running towards you, um, a gate opens up a pulse gate and a, something jumps through and smashes one of their machines. So then you have a choice of fighting one of those or both of them, the big bosses or big monsters. And I took them both out. It just it wasn't not bad. Um, and then you run through all that stuff. Um, it's just like one big long hall, basically in a little curve. Um, you get to this little opening and uh, you see a bunch of uh, sacrifices, a bunch of seeth laying on the ground. And most likely uh, they're part of the cavalry that basically returned uh, to seeth by Bartanalus. And um, yeah, so Snow Bart- has a big conversation. Before. Yeah, Bartandalus never planned on having the cavalry do shit. It was just a ploy to get the Lassie to come back, basically. Mm-hmm. So they're doing all this stuff. Snow has a conversation with the group, you know, how it was, you know, sad that these people died, um, you know, vowing to take out Bartandalus. And then the machine that's right there gets, starts to move. And lo and behold, it's uh, the protocloud again, basically crashed in somewhere. Um, so you fight that. I had a little bit of a trouble with this one. I had to do it twice only because I messed up some of my uh, uh, paradigm shifts. What about you? Um, it's definitely harder than the first version, but uh, I was Corey was so OP by this point that it <laughs> didn't really struggle. Well, I basically what happened in mine was I, I forgot that there was a, a certain part if you hit him and do some like staggering damage while he's in the flying mode, he does reheal himself. So I figured that out and just didn't do that to him. And I was fine. Um, after you, you defeat him, he comes falling out of the machine, basically all like hurt and just all up broken. What'd you think of this scene? It's a cool scene. Um, you know, cause Rosh basically, calls finally comes around and calls off the manhunt for the lassie which i don't think it even would have mattered at this point yeah <laughs> who was there but yeah. he did call for the evacuation right and for everybody to be evacuated and so he finally gets a little bit of a redemption moment but i don't know i i just never really cared about rush so i think they wait this is some of the big gripes about the game is they wasted a lot of these bigger some of these other characters uh jill uh him um uh, Regda, they, they kind of wasted all them on you know what's going on, probably because of the scope of the game. Um, but after your whole team walks away and he's just laying there, they're like, you know, we'll have wor- snow tells him we'll have words after we get done. You know, we'll we'll talk about this and just don't go dying. Well, when the team walks through the doors and the door closes, all of a sudden, two is it two or three behemoths come walking up yeah. on him, and he's like, all right. So he pulls out a grenade. It looks like a grenade. And uh, he says, I will end on my own terms, not by a foul C. And he basically just clicks and he makes a massive explosion and takes those things out. And Vanille is upset by that. 
they're, they're going to go back, but Fang stops her and says, you know, there's nothing you could do. So yeah. they just walk through. And that's, that's the ending of chapter 12. I did have it's, the thought, time. the same thought that you just mentioned. I was like, Snow literally just told you not to die. Like, what do you, yeah. <laughs> You can run. He didn't really have a, cho- a choice, though, I guess. He he kind of seemed like he was dying anyway to me. Like his raspy <laughs> breathing and bleeding from the head. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did do. They did work him over pretty well. Yeah. So, but <laughs> I never used snow ever in this game for anything. Yeah. And snow walks around like he's a big hot shot. I don't think I upgraded his crystarium until like the final part of the game. I was like, you know what? I got like 999,000. Uh, points to use on him so i'll just level him up now right he was he was the weakest of my group of course do you like video games of course you do do you believe people should have positive mental health also of course you do then come join me on dragoon effect an audio only let's play podcast that cares about your mental health come listen as i play through games like alan wake hellblade send you a sacrifice Doki Doki Literature Club, and talk about my life and my mental health and encourage others to do what's best for them and talk about it openly. We hope to see you soon. Um, okay, so moving on to chapter 13, Orphan's Cradle. So you go deeper into like the sanctums of Eden Hall and eventually the whole place like f- melds away and like some trippy shit happens and you end up in Orphan's Cradle. Which is hard to describe, but it's like being inside the Matrix. It's like cyberspace. Everything's all red and crystal looking. I think it looks pretty cool. Uh, but you said you had something to say about this earlier. I, did, I didn't like it. It looks like Optimus' problem's butthole. Oh, God. Jesus. <laughs> it just, it's just bad design, in my opinion, uh, for this. Um, it does look like they just kind of said, we need a final dungeon. Okay, what do we do? How do we make it look cool? Eh, just throw a bunch of red and floating spaces and put these spinning things in there, and that's it. Yep. So, um, no. Brett from the Skeleton House podcast had a what I thought was a funny comment about this in the Discord. By the way, you can find the link to our Discord in our pinned tweet on Twitter or the show notes. Uh, but he said that he was wondering when the final dungeon was going to happen because he was it was getting so far into the game at this point. And then he saw that, that everything melds in, it melds into like cyberspace, crazy looking. And he was like, oh, yeah, this is the place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, once you, you know you're in a final dungeon when things kind of go weird and trippy. Yeah. In Final Fantasy. <clears throat> so we're in Optimus um, Prime's butthole. Yep. And so you get these crazy looking falci that look like giant demon women. I don't really know how to describe them. Um, angels. I don't know. But this is actually the the Falsy Eden that's like opening up paths in the cradle and showing you the way through and challenging you and stuff, um, which I did not get on my first or second playthrough that that's what that was supposed to be. But nope, um, there's actually not many s- scenes at all once you enter this area. There's like one scene before you get to the final boss, and it's them basically just having um, you know motivational sp- speaking to each other. But also there's a moment where the Neil and Fang are kind of like, you know, Cocoon is our home now. We've got a new family, all that shit. Um, other than that, this entire dungeon is just running through the hardest enemies 
you've ever seen in this game. Um, a lot of the regular encounters feel like boss encounters and it does feel a little bit of like a slog to get through. I'm not a huge fan of this part of the game, to be honest. Nope. Nope. I skipped a lot of the fights as if I, if I could, I try to get around some of these things. Yeah. Did you have like a least favorite enemy to deal with? I hated dealing with the, uh, was it, uh, trying to think which one was oh the megram thrasher or thresher i hated that damn thing yeah especially when they team them up with like other enemies yeah you have to take that thing out first you have to use your debuffs like we said to slow it something that some of it down because mm-hmm. if you don't it hits you like non-stop it also feels like some of these enemies have like 15 blue million hp as well so it takes forever to kill them <laughs> yep <laughs> um i hated the templars those Sanctum Templars, I, they always wrecked me a little bit. <laughs> I never had any problems. I I did the debuffs on them and basically, mm-hmm. or I had buffs on me to to eliminate some of the um, the electrical damage, but I also debuffed them to they couldn't do magic. Basically, stopped them cold. Right. Okay. So, well, uh, I know a lot of people struggled with this part, but alas, you do have a few sub boss encounters as you make work your way through. There's the Bandersnatch and Jabberwocky which are basically bigger versions of the those two enemies, Saz and Vanille fought, and the Waterscape. Easy. Um, yeah, there's also the Vlaudy Slouse. Uh, Pain in the ass. Yeah, he's a Seath with like six swords. Uh, and then also the, the Tiamat Eliminator, which is like a bigger version of the the big red mech that Hope and Snow fought in Pelham Poem. Oh, yeah. Um, that one's probably the most difficult, but again, I, Corey was so over, so overpowered, no issues really. Nope. So then you get to the final area and it's like this white looking area with couches and you can kind of look out the windows and see Eden. It's a really cool looking area. I don't, I wish they had explained it better. Like what this place was, it's called the Narthex. And it also, if you go and look at the promotional art for the game, there's a couple of shots of like. Or artwork of the group in this little area. So it's like they stopped and took a picture in there for the artwork. It's like, yeah, let's get a snapshot, guys. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but something that happens in Lightning Returns, and if you haven't played it, you'll have no idea what I'm talking about. But there's a scene of Yule sitting in this area as well. So it's like, what does this area mean? (laughs) I think it's anyway. Hmm. So you go through, and it's time for final boss time. You jump down, Bartandalus is waiting for you. He has some poetic shit to say about the Day of Wrath and Ragnarok. And, of course, he's ready for them to take out Orphan. And uh, the, the group gets some cool lines. Lightning says something like, we came for you, which is like an epic little moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, because he was he was telling like you need to slay Orphan and do this stuff and, and take out and save you know, bring about the maker and lightning's like, we didn't come for that guy. We came to cut your throat. Yeah. (laughs) So we don't care about that other guy. Um, I do. There is a funny moment after she says that where Bartandalus just like looks defeated and he like nods his head and sighs. It's it's kind of funny almost. He's like, God damn it. These people will not do what I want. (laughs) So just, just kill the child. Just kill the orphan. Falsy for the love of God. So we could just be done with this. Yep. So then the first part of the final boss begins. You face off against Bartandalus. He's even bigger and scarier looking than ever. He's got them big old wings uh, on the side of his head this time. Um, 
you get the bartend the epic bartendalist fight music one more time but it, it kind of just plays out the same as the second bartendalist battle it's not really mm-hmm. any more difficult in fact i think it might have felt even a little bit easier what about you uh, it's pretty easy you stagger them and then i just again beat the crap out of them um I, I did when I stagger them, I do a little bit of aggression. I use the aggression paradigm where I do a mass amounts of physical damage while hope does just some of the magical stuff. Um, well, no, actually I flopped that. I do army of one since that's a ravager skill for lightning, just whip the crap out of them. And then when I got to the final little piece of it, I switched to aggression and basically hit them a lot. So I was able to do smite whenever the, um, stagger stuff was about to fall off does 99,999 damage between me and fang twice always love so that. i just i just whipped the crap out of him i was like all right done Next. nice so once you beat him um bartandalus kind of dies he falls into this metal pool in the background and when he emerges it seems like he's sort of fused with orphan He's like this big black sword looking guy and it has an angel head on one side and it like his demonic looking head on the right side and they both speak together and there's like two voices speaking at once. It's honestly a pretty fucking awesome boss design, I think. It's pretty nice, but the weird thing is that Angel keeps cradling and keeps like rubbing the face of e- of e- Orphan, just keeps doing that. And I was like, yeah. dude, that's just, well, actually, no, did Bartanus merge with Eden? That's what that was. I don't. I don't really. I think know that's what's what, going on there. <laughs> I think he merged with Eden, and then Orphan's in the middle, asleep. It looks like, and they, she keeps petting his face, like yeah. a weird mother father figure. Yeah. If you think about it, he's got this inscription on the sword as well, which I think if you translate is just like that little passage he always says about Ragnarok and the Day of Wrath and all that. Mm. Um. So there's not much else that happens. You just go straight into the next phase of the boss. Um, this is probably the hard part of the boss, I would say. Um, I feel I feel like this phase is harder than the final phase. What about you? Okay, so I kind of alluded to this at the very beginning of, of this episode. Um, when I first played this game, I did not pay attention or know how to effectively play this game on the upgrades and the Crystarium. Um, I did not upgrade weapons. I did not upgrade accessories. I didn't do hardly anything. So I went into this battle the weakest I think you could possibly be in order to face this boss. And it took me hours upon hours to defeat him my first try. Um, that's not the case this time. This time I upgraded everything to the max on every, you know, items, um, all the weapons. Um, I didn't get the ultimate weapons because you can't get the ultimate weapons, I think, right now. Could you? I don't think you can. I'd have to look, but I don't. I think if if you could, it would be very difficult to do so at this part. Yeah. So I maxed everything out as I could. So I honestly only died twice on this one, only because I screwed up on uh, the merciless drop that he does. It's that big where he raises himself out and smashes and basically gets your party down to zero to one HP, and then he swiped and killed everybody. The yeah. Next next little shot. So other than that, no, I did not have any problems. Uh, what about you guys? How I was thinking about fair? that. I was thinking about that earlier. Uh, is this like the only cutscene attack where just everything stops so he can until this attack is done? I can't think of think another so. instance of that in the game. But it's yeah, it's his special move. He does a lot of debuffs and stuff too. Um, I think 
No, I think Corey got it on his first try, but he did good. retry as soon as the battle started because he wanted to change his setup. So that probably helped. Mm. Yeah. Um, if you're listening to this episode, this is your first one. And you like wanted to, you want to go and try it yourself. Um, you have to, in this game, you have to debuff and buff no matter what you have yep. to play with that stuff. If you don't, you will not beat the game. Yep. Unfortunately, poison works very well on him as well. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, also, I just realized that we did skip over one detail when you first get here is that Bartandalus pretends to destroy the crystals of Dodge and Sarah. Um, but it's oh. just a trick. What a dick. Yeah. When that, it happens so unceremoniously, I'm like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, they're dead. Yeah. They figured it out pretty quick that it's just a trick, though. Yep. So between the second and third bosses is when you get a bunch of climactic scenes, a uh, bunch of shit happens here. Um, basically he kind of fucks the party up a little bit and they're all feeling weak and despondent and Vanille tries to go up against him. And as does Fang, um, there's this part where he kind of tortures Vanille, which is hard to watch, honestly, trying to like get her to turn, turn into Ragnarok and Fang's just like, please no stop. And finally Fang agrees like, I'll turn into Ragnarok if you just like leave Vanille alone. Mm-hmm. So he starts attacking Fang, trying to get her to turn into Ragnarok. And she does, but it seems like even after she's turned into Ragnarok that she can't um, seem to hurt Orphan, basically. So you're, there's another part too. Before she turns, um, it's another smoke and mirror trick. of Either it is or it's not, but the whole party turns to seat. So the group besides Vanille, um, basically walk or stumble, stumbles to her, to Fang, and hit her a lot and basically fall on top of her. And um, that's what causes Fang to turn into Ragnarok. But like you said, he couldn't do anything. Yeah, there's also a part where Vanille's like, we made a promise, you can't you know, do this. And things like sometimes you got to choose and she actually goes to attack vanille to like mm-hmm. she's like well i i'm choosing to save cocoon and i'll give up vanille for that i guess yeah and then of course the rest of the party stops her she's like what the fuck they're like what the fuck are you doing are you kidding me right now <laughs> yeah um so that's that's before they turn to see and then right. that happens the they end up torturing fang or he ends up torturing fang to try to get her to turn as well it's this it's is weird. also hard he, to watch he kills her and then the other side revives her. That is, that's crazy to do yep. that. It just like keeps healing her and torturing her further and further, trying to get her, trying to break her. So, um, so eventually Vanille go, goes to take on um, Bartandalus and Bartandalus figures out, oh, I can torture Vanille to get Fang to turn into Ragnarok. Um mm-hmm. And Fang tells her to run, and Vanille's like, no, I'm not running this time. And this is kind of the culmination of her character arc, finally, because, you know, she is always the one that runs or lies to get out of her problems. Mm-hmm. I, but I do kind of wish it was her that fucks Barty up here, because at this moment, Lightning and the others reappear, not as Seath, and mm-hmm. fuck up Bartandalus. Um, and then they talk about the, the stream that they had while they were gone about how everybody was there happy at the end together. They had this motivational speech and things like, damn, I'm an idiot for not trusting you guys. Um, of course, 
Spartanulus is kind of screaming in the background, and then he reemerges as just Orphan, which is like this weird clock dial glyph Baby thing. thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard to describe, but it's pretty unsettling looking. And they have this big speech, and they all talk about how they're going to do this together, and they all kind of threaten Orphan a little bit. Um, my favorite is when Hope says, you want your day of wrath, do you? Well, it's coming right up. And I'm like, yes, tell him. <laughs> get, get him, Hope. Get him. Um, so Lightning says something epic here, too. I can't remember what it is. but So then you launch into the final phase of the boss, which is low-key like a, an Eidolon battle because it puts doom on you right away. So you're, you're mm-hmm. on a timer. Um, but I've always found this to be significantly easier than yeah. the second phase. But what, what about you? Um, it's pretty easy, honestly. Like as soon as you stagger him, uh, you also can put boys on too and let it whittles away. Yeah, I staggered him and I did the same um, attack pattern I did with uh, the Bartanalus orphan fight, the first phase. Um, Ravager did a bunch of army of ones on it. You know, was deep. I was buffed up to hell, and then did the ending piece of the uh, aggression and just smited him. Yep. Corey actually had more uh, issues with this phase, though, which uh, I found surprising. He he just barely snuck by it. Like, he probably had, like, less than 200 seconds left. Oh, God. I had, like, 3,000 or I had, like, yeah. 2,000 minutes seconds left. I didn't think he was going to squeak it by, and then he pulled oh. it off at the very end. Nice. But anyway, um, let's see. I feel like there was one other thing I wanted to talk about before we move on to the ending here. Oh, what was it? I don't know. Maybe it'll come to me. So one interesting thing here, I want to point out that uh, there's this gate behind Etro or not Etro behind orphan that is supposed to be Etro's gate, which is what happens at the end of 13 two and like what Caius is trying to open. Um, and it, it flashes to it a few times. And then at the very end of the end ending, you see it closing like right in the middle of cocoon. So I just like that. It's kind of going into another tie in to something that happens later in the series mm. um, with, without you even realizing it. If you're even if you it's easy to not even think about what that is. But anyway, <laughs> so that. Oh, I remember what I wanted to say. I'm a big defender of 13 and its story. But me too. One thing I have a hard time wrapping my my brain around is like the one thing Bartandalus wanted us to do and that we promised and swore up and down that we couldn't do and wouldn't do was kill orphan. And then here we are killing orphan. So <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't really get how they come to that conclusion that that's what they should do. But <laughs> I think what it is, is they're one, they were pushed into that fight um, Bartanalus made him do that because Orphan showed up and was basically being a big old baby. Um, but two, I think at that point, they're like, you know what? We're done with Falsies. We're done with using them um, and having them control our lives. If this is going to end them, we're going to we're going to end them now. So that could be the reason why. Yeah. So onto the ending. Um, so basically, you know, as promised, Cocoon loses power. Um, it's going to start falling. Everybody's like sort of our groups like floating in the air and everything's going nuts. Um, they lightning yells to stay together. You know, they grab hands, but Vanille and Fang have already started to fall away from them. They didn't, they're, they're separate. And they sort of look at each other and agree on something un, without speaking about it. The rest of the party is like screaming for them. 
music's like crescendoing. And so what happens is Vanilla and Fang, like there's this flash of power and like all the pulse monsters turn into dust or something in Eden and they kind of merge with Vanilla and Fang and become this complete form of Ragnarok, which looks badass to be honest. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I guess that's the reason why is they didn't destroy Cocoon the first time or couldn't take out Bartanless now is because they needed both to be Ragnarok. Yeah, that's what I always thought, too. So Cocoon's falling, like magma's erupting, the city's crumbling. Um, and so Ragnarok like jumps around the, the shell of Cocoon. And honestly, even though I appreciate that they really focus in on what's happening here and they, they give it an appropriate amount of time of how epic this is it's a little hard to follow what's happening i think but um, yeah so they dive into the pool of magma at the base of cocoon and basically this huge pillar of lava sprouts off and connects with pulse and then everything starts um crystallizing um it's you see like this beautiful crescendo of water go all around cocoon and basically it everything crystallizes and the pillar of magma turns into a crystal pillar and it's basically just keeping cocoon supported um of course the downside to this is ragnarok unforms and vanilla and fang crystallize and they're trapped in the crystal pillar yep they're floating in the pillar so yeah that honestly that whole scene is just whoo i love it it's great oh Uh, man all right. So that whole scene was honestly the best scene, in my opinion, um, of a Final Fantasy series uh, or game in the series themselves. Honestly, better than 15. Yeah. Um, I I would say the ending of 15 is one of the best Final Fantasy endings. It's kind of like the best part of the game, in my opinion. But yeah, um, the music in that scene is great, too. And you can see like hope when it dawns on his face, like what's happening, I like the, my heart's like breaking. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so then it cuts to the surface of pulse and it shows lightning and the others have all crystallized as well. Um, so they completed their focuses or foci. Um, and then it kind of dwells on lightning's face in the early pulse morning. And then, uh, Leona Lewis kicks in and, it's a pretty good uh, little song. I think it fits the scene well. Lightning uncrystallizes, and she's like, they did it. They saved the world as she looks up at the cocoon. And Snow and the rest are there, too, and they kind of talk about how Vanille and Fang saved the world and brought about a miracle. And then they realize their focus is complete. The military has evacuated people to Pulse. Uh, they're like, well, that qualifies as a demolition, I guess. Focus complete. Yep. But their brands are gone. Right. So then Hope realizes his brand's gone. And then they all are like, oh, shit, our brands are gone. Um, next thing that happens is out in the distance, they see two figures walking towards them. And as they get closer, they realize it's Sarah and Dodge. So, yay. Uh, this always tugs at my heartstrings a little bit when... Um, Saz grabs Dodge and Dodge is like, daddy. It's like, oh yeah, that, that is, that, that is parse. I love that better than the Sarah and snow thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's good too, but uh, not yeah. as much. Uh, snow runs to Sarah, you know, sweep picks her up and swings her around. Uh, that sounds weird when I say it like that. 
But um, <laughs> and then Hope runs forward. I think I've, it doesn't really say, but I think Hope was either hoping his mom would be there or that Vanilla and Fang would somehow be there. Um, but he looks disappointed. Yeah, I think he was looking for his mom. Yeah, like he had this weird faint thing that she would show up. Um, sorry, Hope. So. She didn't did. <laughs> she got, she gone, buddy. I'm sorry. But I do like the moment where Lightning like it sort of st- stays back to comfort him and hopes like they're gone, aren't they? But you never know. We've changed our fate before. Which put a pin in that. Yep. Um. So then Sarah and Snow run over, and Sarah hugs Lightning, and Lightning apologizes before they can really have a true moment. Snow interrupts, and he's like, "Hey, no time for apologies. You are going to let us get married, right?" And she's Lightning agrees. <laughs> Just uh, a random thing to put in there. Like, we just saved the world. Hey, we're still getting married, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice little scene because he says that he's gonna, he will make her happy. And she says, I believe you. I kind of, I forgot what line she said. I could have sworn she says, um, I know you will. But no, she says, I believe you. Which is like, I like my version better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then it flashes. It, like you said, after that part, it flashes or goes to Cocoon. And it shows the pillar. And it shows lightning, or excuse me, vanilla and fang just floating. Yeah, they've got their hands joined. Um, it's a really sweet scene. Uh, and meanwhile, during all this, Leona Lewis is belting it in the background. Um, so good. And that's it. The credits roll. I uh, I think it's one of the best Final Fantasy endings. It's it. I said it already. That the only one that really tops it for me is 10. And I think part of that is I'm a sucker for bittersweet endings. Like if not everything worked out perfectly. Uh, like so, you know, Vanilla and Fang are still crystallized and not with them. Um, mm-hmm. It's I'm a sucker for those. Whereas if something like ends really happy, like Final Fantasy IX, hey, <laughs> and like no downside really, I'm just like, oh, hey there, kind of lame. <laughs> well, I mean, 15 had a really good one. Um, theirs was or that one was not a happy ending, right? Basically, he he died yep. at the end. Um, so this one here, you have two people that didn't make it. Well, didn't make it quotation marks. Right. Um, so there's that, but also I agree. To, yeah. I also want to call out that in Japan, they have a different song here. It's a, a song that was actually written for the game. I prefer my hands. However, I did listen to this song at like an English cover and I, I'll be playing that here before long and the lyrics of it do fit the game better. <laughs> I'll give it that. Do you okay? So speaking of that, so I'm sure we'll talk more about this in the actual review episode. Do you remember the interview that they did and why they chose Leona Lewis's song? I do remember something about that. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Then. Okay, as um, I remember the interview, I was like, "This is so awesome." Yeah, and then one more thing uh, that it kind of is kind of a reveal after the credits. It flashes the Final Fantasy 13 logo at you, and. This blew my mind the first time I played it because, you know, you stared at the logo all game. I knew it was Cocoon, but you can totally see, you know, two female f- faces in the like the crystal part of it that's going around it. It's like, oh, it was it was there the whole time. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Oh, wow. OK. Oh, my God. I'm going to go back and look at that. But, yeah, that's that the Final Fantasy is very good at that. You know, flashing the uh, ending. Yeah. And the, the stuff at that. Um, one other note I wanted to make is it does kind of feel deus ex machina about, Oh, they just get to uncrystallize and be happy. The lightning and the others. Um, this is explained in the sequels. Um, but basically whatever the reason for this is basically what 
it's the catalyst for everything that goes wrong in the sequels. So it's kind of earned. <laughs> um, but yeah. So should we jump into the listener feedback? Let's do this. All right. So Frost says, these last two chapters were longer than I remembered and took me eight hours to get through. Chapters 12 starts with an amazing cutscene, maybe the best in the series. Agreed. After that, the section feels like it drags and includes the unnecessary return of Nora, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) I found the fight with the Proud Clad was actually difficult. Chapter 13 is long and grindy. The fixed encounters are often more difficult than the rehashed boss battles. Since I'm not grinding at all this playthrough, I decided to finally use some shrouds and run by a bunch of encounters. Fair. The final boss always feels like a challenge, but fortunately, if you die on any of the three stages, you can restart on that boss phase. Since I was forcing myself to use a team of Saz, Vanilla, and Snow, I resorted to using Poison to cruise through the Orphan 1 stage. It works well, right? As for the story and ending, we are once again saved by the power of friendship. And I talked about this, but again, there is an explanation for this. <laughs> yep. The final form of Ragnarok looks awesome, and we now understand the logo. I'll admit, though, I always tear up a little when Fang and Vanille stay behind and when Sarah and Dodge walk out of the rubble. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Yep. Yep. The, the ending cinematic looks ridiculously good, except for Sarah, who still looks like a skeleton. Hey, she's she's just got a, a thin frame, okay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he has a question for us. The first time you played, did you think it was going to end with everyone in Crystal forever? Yes. It's hard for me to remember, because that was so long ago, but I, I remember being like, that can't be it. And it really doesn't give you long to ponder on it either. No. No. So. <laughs> No, I thought it was like, you know, some of these games, uh, the Final Fantasies, I would like this is going to be really bad. I would like to see the main characters, all of them that are in your group, just at the end of it. No happy ending. They saved the world, but they didn't make it like they <laughs> it did that a little bit in 15. You sadist. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's the tragic epic tragedy. Piece of it. You know, that's you know, we want to we want to see that the world is saved and the heroes, you know, win. But, you know at the cost of the heroes is I think what's needed in this next story of final fantasy. I think we could be going there. 16 looks pretty dark. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's go to the next one. Bill, our lovely friend, Bill, um, his comments is my PS3 died. I hate life. <laughs> yeah. He didn't make it. Bill's been going through it lately. Poor Bill. <laughs> He uh, he lost his about uh, what or very early on in the in the uh, club. So yeah, unfortunately, he made he it to chapter to... nine before it blew up, if my memory yeah. serves. So sorry, Bill. All right, Corey, my love, states the excitement and cinematic really pick up here. That opening cutscene is one, just one of the best video game cutscenes ever. Very much agreed. Um, the difficulty of the battles can be frustrating, but it's good training for the final bosses. Orphan's Cradle is a bit of a slog, maybe my least favorite part of the entire game. However, the final battles are amazing. I pretty much uh, stuck with my usual team of Lightning, Fang, and Hope and struggled on the third stage of the boss fight. The final cutscenes, all I can say is chef's kiss and give me more Leona Lewis. And as Vanille said, and the rest is up to you. Um, yeah, I stuck with mine. I was going to change mine, party up, but I couldn't do it. I went back to the good old lightning fang and hope. Good comments from my uh, my fiance there. Yes. Uh, Brett from the Skeleton House podcast said, the cutscene at the start of chapter 12, I 
the, sorry, the cutscene at the start of chapter 12 was extremely rad, but the rest of the chapter is a bit of a slog. Too many enemies that have a billion HP. Getting into Barty's cyber zone was totally tubular, and I liked the many bosses in there. But again, dang them motorcycles take a while to whittle down. The motorcycles suck. Yeah. I thought the final boss was fun, difficult, and tactical in all three forms, and I liked the weird PS1 texture j- jittering that was on the mom and dad orphan form. <laughs> oh, yeah. Final scene was cool and heartwarming, even if I thought that it was really goofy that Sarah and Dodge just kind of happened to show up where the squad is. Again, I always just assumed, based on later knowledge, that that was uh, some divine intervention going on there. Mm. Yep. All right, Punch Drunk Dave. I Glad to have you back, you... Punch Drunk Dave, by the way. Yes. Thanks for submitting. Yes. All right. So I had no issues with Chapter 12, mainly because I had done a fair amount of hunts on Grand Pulse before continuing the story. Uh, the cutscenes were pretty damn spectacular. But ultimately, since I really didn't care about the characters or the overall storyline, we'll save this one for the final review episode. So That makes me sad when people feel that yes. way. Yep, yep. Um, it really was just eye candy. Chapter 13 was awesome, though I love the look of the final dungeon area. Hmm, interesting. Uh, I, mean, the white, I like the look of it. We, we disagree there. So. <laughs> yeah. The, the little white hallway filled the floating couches was very memorable for, for how little you were there and probably my favorite environment in the game because it was so out of left field. I, I agree. Uh, my party consisted of lightning, vanilla, and Saz, and outside of the few battles, I pretty much breezed through it. I absolutely love this, that Square was smart enough to give us portals back to Grand Pulse and Eden, as well as a new game plus of sorts after beating the game. I took advantage of, of this after five-starred Barty and defeating Orphan. Uh, the two boss battles were great. The music was top-notch in particular. I still rank FF6 uh, final battle as the best of the series, followed by eight and uh, sixes, but this was follows closely behind the other two. Even with the confusing overall storyline, interesting again, it's not that confusing, <laughs> uh, the ending was very satisfying. My biggest gripe with Chapter 13 is... That I'm overall that all I'm going to remember is it for Grand Pulse hunts grinding, having to find a stone, activate, and then go to a separate area to fight the mark is beyond stupid, and the platinum ignit grinding uh, on Eden uh, against those damned adamantoys enemies. As with the calm lands in FF10, I now have Grand Pulse map committed to memory due to as many 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 hours I had to be there. Overall. I enjoyed the chapters and I'm looking forward to eventually starting a Final Fantasy 13 2 in the near future. Interesting. Uh, he's the only one that really left feedback on the post game and we won't be going into that because I've already put myself through that hell in the past <laughs> as well. But just know that I feel your pain and that the, the post game is indeed a great grindy slog. And by great, I mean, bad. I don't mean good. <laughs> um, pass. Yeah. Lauren, my friend Lauren, IRL, says, who we played with this time, she says, so my thoughts, excellent conclusion to the story. I feel like everybody's individual storyline really had resolution, but the real highlight for me was the group storyline. I loved the group's physical and emotional journey, and mostly I enjoyed their journey with one another. Like Hope was a completely different person at the end of the game than the beginning, and I loved that kind of growth and character development in a game. That last scene was 10 out of 10 beautiful, and it felt super cathartic. Obviously, very bittersweet how Vanilla and Fang's storyline concluded, but like we were saying, it just gave enough of a sting to make it a nice, balanced, bittersweet ending. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Of course, I already know 
knew she felt that way. So, <laughs> all right, Rob. Hmm. It's been a while since I did this. How do, how does this go, Gil? Um, but seriously, I'm saving most of my comments for the overall review. But chapter 12 has by the far the best cinematics in a Final Fantasy. And I'm glad these Adolians got some use because I just <laughs> never used them. No one does. Yeah. Um, I like Roche's action um, at the end of 12. Thought it was nice uh, uh, finale for him. The final boss still feels like it's up to RNG Jesus. R and Jesus. Um, if you win, you will win or lose. So no change um, there from when I would play before. The game finally made me have to use hope because I needed his uh, synergy and medic. So to to so touche. But final party, I just can't read today. <laughs> I just. But the final party was light, fang, and hope. See, everybody uses them. Mm-hmm. Nobody else cares about the other ones. Uh, the sacrifices are annoying as hell, and I should have just ho- hopped back to Grand Pulse, but oh well, live and learn. Yeah, I really don't think there's much of a reason to go back to Pulse unless you're just like way behind on the Crystarium. Um, but yeah, that's our final feedback here. Do we want to give, of course, Rich and I in the coming weeks will do a full review uh, on this game. It'll probably be a multi-parter. Um, so look forward to that. You got any like final thoughts on this last section? Uh, again, I, I love this section. Uh, again, the, the, also this game holds a special place to me. I love this game. Um, even when people did not like it at first, when it first came out, people were upset by it. I still stand by it. It is amazing. Yeah. I, uh, I echo all of that. You know, like I said, the, the actual orphan's cradle is a slog, but the, the rest of this area or the final section is fantastic IMO. Um, and we'll give more thoughts when we do the review. So shall we close the Final Fantasy 13 RPG Club for the last time? Let's do it. That was an English cover of Kimi ga Iru Kara, or Because You Are Here, which is the Japanese vocal theme of the game. That's by Cinnamon Punch. Um, again, prefer Leona, but it's a good song. Yep, 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 yep. Um, so that's going to be it for this week. Uh, next week, I reckon, will be a normal catch-up and news episode. There's been some interesting things that have popped up that uh, I'm looking forward to talking about with Rich here. I don't know when we'll get to the um, the actual review. It'll probably be a few weeks, I imagine. So, but look forward to that. I know Corey wants to be on. We I actually know of a couple people that said they wouldn't mind being on. So we'll see <laughs> what ends up happening. Wow. For the RPG Club, again, it's over. But nominations for the next one will begin on Sunday, September 3rd, which is two weeks from this recording. 
launch into our plugs, please rate and review the show. If you would like to give us a little boost with our analytics and visibility, we would super appreciate it. And make sure you let your RPG loving homies uh, know all about us. We want to get into as many ear holes as possible. Speaking of a great way to support the show is through Patreon. Patreon, at, you can uh, donate to us and get access to a lot of cool stuff, such as early episode access, ad-free episodes, extra reviews, RPG Club, and many, many more. You can find that at patreon.com forward slash RPG after years. If you would like to be a part of the show, you can catch us streaming the recordings of our episode uh, live on Twitch. That's usually Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern time. And uh, you, like, like I said, you can see, be a part of the show. We It's got video of our beautiful faces and everything. So yeah. if you got any questions or feedback for us, feel free to email us. Our email address is rpgafteryears at gmail.com. And Discord is a great way for you guys to communicate with us uh, and all of our community. Uh, the link can be found in our show notes or a pinned tweet on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, you can find the show at rpgyears. If you want to get into touch with me personally, I'm at the Scott spot. And I'm at hail blue one, five, six, nine. And I got one more little announcement slash thing. I want to say before we end, um, our friend, great, good friend of the show, longtime supporter, Disa, uh, got married yesterday, I believe. So congrats yeah. to you, Disa. We're very happy for you. Congrats. I know it was probably a fantastic day for you. So thank you for all your support over the years. We're, we're super excited for you. All right. Thank you everybody for listening to this week's episode. I had a good time talking about my favorite part of the game with my pal Rich. And I was glad to finally get through FF 13 again. Tune in next week for episode 124 in which we talk about the news and mods and all kinds of ethical debates until then. I'm Scott. And I'm Rich. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the RPG After Years. Bye. Bye.